Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Later, former corporate executive Nick Rowe joins us to talk about his Amazon best-selling book, The Goodwill Jar. He'll talk about his keys to leadership and legacy, and that is later. But first, Eastern Kentucky University leaders explore the possibility of training primary care doctors. EKU is going to do a feasibility study to determine if the university can provide a new and cost-effective medical education program. EKU President Dr. David McFadden says shortages in health care spurred his team to figure out if they can be a solution. President McFadden is joining us now and that and a lot of other things are happening on campus. Welcome. We appreciate you coming. It's great to be on, Bill. It appears this has gone a little bit beyond just brainstorming. Uh, is a DO program something you would like to see EKU offer? You know, I think as we have thought about being the school of opportunity at EKU and uh, we've leaned into saying how do we solve some complex problems that our state, our region has, this idea has, has really percolated to the top. Uh, we just started a manufacturing engineering program last year, first manufacturing engineering program in the state. Uh, leaning into this idea that you know 94% of our communities are underserved or not served at all in primary care physicians. Uh, we have 2,600 practicing primary care physicians in the state. We're going to need 2,400 more to replace those uh, and to grow to get to that point to where we've got the right patient uh, to physician ratio in the state. So this is most assuredly a big problem that we're facing specifically in our rural and underserved communities. I think that's what Eastern Kentucky University does and we're excited to, to move forward on this idea. The early part of the discussion seems to emphasize affordability. Uh, that aspiring doctors uh, be able to get their education and not be saddled with a huge debt that would then follow them uh, for, for years after that. Um, some say it could be uh, an incentive to practice in the state. You could give some forgiveness there. What are some of those discussions? Yeah, I think for us, looking at the average loans, we're looking at over two hundred thousand dollars in loans for those who are graduating when you think about paying those back the average time to pay back is 20 years that's a lot of sacrifice for someone's family and then you've got to give the thought of can I practice in a rural community can I uh, support my family and be able to pay back those loans and so as a school that's focused on first-generation low-income students affordability is front of mind for EKU and so we feel like that we can bring a very affordable high-quality program to the state that's going to give an alternative to make sure that in those communities that aren't served, that there is someone who cares for them, who has a world-class education, but is also likely one of them. As Kentucky school who educates more Kentuckians per capita than any other school, and putting those students back to work in our Kentucky communities better than anyone else, we feel like this is the right solution right now. The number of physicians in the country who are DOs has been growing much faster than uh, MDs over the last uh, decade. Do you see that trend continuing? Yeah, I think if we look across the nation right now, uh, looking at uh, the, the accrediting body who does this, uh, there's more than 20 new programs in development across the U.S. If we look at states like Alabama, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, states similar to Kentucky in size and population, what you see is that there's multiple Research One medical schools that are in those states. You also see that there's more than one DO school in those communities and those are both the public institutions and private universities. Would you have to build new facilities? 
Yeah, obviously, would, would, you know, in order to have a college of medicine, there's going to be some unique facilities. The great thing about this program is as we, as we have started to do this and do this work, and we've had two years of due diligence before we came forward with this, the feasibility study we'll need to do this summer is for the accreditation purposes to start that, that conversation. But we feel like from a financial perspective that if we can get this barrier that we can't offer a medical school uh, out of the way, that this will be a self-sustaining program that will help us build the facilities, hire the faculty and really do a great job. How would you describe the, the feeling about this on campus and then externally as you've approached the legislature and others? Yeah, I would say that on campus, in the community, across the region, people are really excited. Um, as somebody who's a native of eastern Kentucky, a community that, that is underserved in one of those healthcare deserts, uh, you know, my friends and family are excited about the idea that a school like Eastern could get involved in, in really solving this problem. I think from a legislative perspective, the House passed uh, House Bill 407, which would allow us to to do this 91 to 0. Not a lot of things pass uh, either chamber uh, unanimously, but uh, I think that speaks uh, to the interest and the support that we have uh, for this idea. When do you think you will know whether it is full steam ahead and that you're going to do this? Yeah, right now we're working uh, with the Senate, uh, hopeful to get Senate leaders comfortable with the idea of, of kind of opening up House Bill 1 from 1997 and starting to strike away some of those restrictions that says a university like EKU uh, can't do certain things. And so from medical schools to dental schools, schools, to optometry, to uh, architecture, there were a number of professions that were really kind of taboo for a four-year comprehensive back in 97. As we sit here in 2024 today, I think that that regulatory framework has outlived its, its usefulness. I think with a performance funding model that looks at all four-year universities the same, I would say let's, let's let the market decide and let's see if we can't all work toward fixing these complex problems in the state. What are some other uh, issues you've brought before the legislature, some needs uh, for your campus that you would uh, like to see addressed in the budget and elsewhere? Well, absolutely. Well, uh, thinking about just the operating support, uh, we've gone a long time without operating-based support uh, for our universities here in Kentucky. And so there are there's good days and there's bad days as a university president, but I can, self, you know, I can say we always have a big idea that, that we want to move forward. But getting that base supporting operation there, uh, our model laboratory school, making sure we've got the full funding to finish uh, that project, get it off the ground and get it fully finished, our aviation program, uh, building an aviation flight uh, school at the airport. We feel like that is going to position us to continue to lead uh, in that space. Uh, then asset preservation. The state has made a significant investment over the last two years in helping us keep up what I call our legacy stock of facilities on campus. Uh, it appears that in the House budget there's another round of funding to help us continue to do things like steam lines and electrical and plumbing. And those things are just so important to make sure that the campus is working in a healthy and safe and a safe way. There is a Senate bill as well that would encourage universities to work together on some projects. And one thing that was mentioned was the EKU and the the Moorhead Aviation, uh, the Moorhead Aeronautics program that they have up there. Um, that that might be an example of, of something that could be uh, done jointly. Do you see that uh, as being a, a future direction? You know, I think Senate Bill One, and as President Stivers has described it, I think is, is very ambitious. I think it's a it's it's streaming big and thinking about how do we solve complex problems. Um, 
I'm excited about the notion that uh, there could be some funding available for, for two or more universities to come together to collaborate uh, on those ideas. Uh, I think if we think about what is concept there, it's, it's outstanding. I think as it comes to things that are concrete, I think that a DO school is one of those things we're bringing to the table right now that says, hey, this is addressing a big problem and could fix uh, some major things. So I think Senate Bill 1, House Bill 407, uh, there's a number of things that can work really, really closely together. There is a lot to watch in the legislature. President Stivers also wants formal consideration of Hazard Community and Technical College to become a four-year university. Uh, do you take a position as to whether that should happen given that that is in your service area? Well, I know this, you know, the, the fall of this year we had over 5,000 students from that Southeast Kentucky service region who are, who are at our campus. Uh, Eastern Kentucky University is celebrating its 150th year of educational opportunity, starting as Central University, making its way all the way uh, through what we, we, we are here today. Uh, we're proud uh, to serve Eastern Kentucky. I am a native uh, of Southeastern Kentucky, um, and I think what Senator Stivers is talking about is, is important to me, uh, it's important to him, I know it's important to, to others as well. I think that we've got to continue to give a lot of thought to uh, the time, place, and manner in which education is delivered today, how students are looking for that opportunity, the non-traditional student, and that's not just an adult student. That's someone who's working full-time, who's providing care for a family member. Uh, we've got to start to think about those things, and we are thinking about those things, but making sure that we're delivering that to students in the way that they want it. And I do think that's evolving and changing. I think Senate Joint Resolution 98 had some findings uh, that, that left some questions to be answered. I know this. Eastern Kentucky University has been there serving Southeastern Kentucky, will continue to be there serving Southeastern Kentucky, and we're eager to work with Hazard Community College, Moorhead State University, and anyone else who's trying to lift up Eastern Kentucky and doing that good work. Is it just different these days in terms of students? Uh, they have the, the online options, they have the other options, they, have, they may take classes for a while and then they get a job and then they go online with their, their work. I mean, it, it, it's a different uh, landscape, isn't it? It is, and I think it's been changing, uh, you know, over the last 20 years, it's really been, but the pandemic and that period of 2020 and 2021 really accelerated a lot of that kind of, uh, you know, the ability for students to kind of choose when and where and how they do education. And, you know, if we look at that landscape today, it's not regional, it's not statewide, it is global. Uh, we have global providers of education that are providing opportunity at the click of a button. And so I think that the world has changed tremendously. We need to continue to change and evolve and meet those needs. We're proud at Eastern Kentucky University. This year's freshman class, 50% of them were the first in their family to go to college. That is the highest percentage of freshmen to be first in their family that we've seen in the last 20 years. So that means we are reaching further and deeper into our communities to say college is possible for those who are the first in their family to go. There is legislation regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. The UK President uh, Capilouto has pushed back against efforts to uh, rein in DEI initiatives. Do you take a position on that? You know, I think as we look across our campus, we do so many things to create a campus where everyone feels like they belong. Uh, our philosophy at Eastern is, is if you choose us, we choose you. And so it's all about student success. It's all about helping students, whether they're the first in their family to go to college, whether they're a veteran, whether they're a single mother, whatever their life circumstances are, whatever their experiences have been, our commitment is to help them get across the line and get that degree because truly that's the payoff for that investment, for the time and money and energy that they put into that process. It's about supporting them. And so, so as long 
we're not standing in the way of supporting those students and their dreams, we're going to continue to just do the work that we've been doing every day and taking pride in the fact that we're number one for serving Kentuckians. That aviation program keeps growing. Uh, you could grow it more if you had more money, right? Yeah, I think facilities. Uh, so we've got yeah. we've got a, a financial ask to, to build a flight school at the Central Kentucky Regional Airport. Uh, we, we've got 400 students out there flying. If you spend much time around uh, the Central Kentucky area, you see these uh, Cessna 172s flying around that say EKU on them. Great program, high demand. Uh, every one of those students are leaving uh, with uh, significant job offers for major employers. It's really exciting. Supply chain, logistics, aerospace, aviation, such a big part of Kentucky's economy. We're just excited to, to be a part of that. Well, what's another growth area for you? You know, for us, we, we continue to see those, those key service needs in the manufacturing engineering. We saw a cohort, first cohort this year was right at 25 students. We've exceeded that number for bringing in the next cohort. Nursing, uh, health sciences, occupational therapy, social work, education. We had the largest growth in our elementary education program, uh, really of all programs, fastest growing program we saw this year. So it appears that a lot of students are coming back uh, to the education sector. And I know to the superintendents and principals and those people out there, that hopefully is music to their ears that more students are choosing education as, as a pathway. The uh, basketball colonels seem to be on a roll, right? Uh, at the right time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we A uh, little road trip to end here. We're down in Tennessee. Uh, we, we square up with Lipscomb tomorrow night. Uh, hopeful to to get that win, secure that all, you know, full out uh, first uh, conference championship since 1979 regular season championship. Uh, the neat thing about being in the A Sun for the first time ever, uh, being the, the top seed means we get to host these games. So that means that the road to the championship, the road to, to the Final Four for anyone in the A Sun is going to come through Richmond, Kentucky. And so we're really excited about that. A.W. Hamilton, the entire team, super proud of them. I was there for senior night the other night. A lot of seniors on this team. So uh, this, may, this will be a great way to, to end it out for a lot of great students and, and for the first time in a long time a Richmond native Isaiah Cozart uh, right there uh, arguably uh, the player of the year in the conference uh, is leading the nation in blocks just super proud of, of Isaiah and all the work that he's done. You're having a good time being president right now aren't you? It's you been said, good. You said good days and bad days but <laughs> the most are good. Anytime I'm with you Bill it's a good day. <laughs> I appreciate you coming. Dr. David McFadden the EKU president and uh, uh, will uh, you keep us up to date on wh where you go with that uh, osteopathic medicine uh, Absolutely. scenario. All right we're coming back in just a moment and Nick Rowe will join us. He'll talk about his book and we're coming back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. After 35 years as a senior vice president at American Water Works in Kentucky American Water, Nick Rowe now has an Amazon best-selling book on his hands. Rowe writes about his life, his faith and family, and how to treat people. In the Goodwill Jar, Rowe makes the case that we all gain equity by investing effort in kindness toward others. He writes, everywhere we go, every minute of every day, there are opportunities to leave people and places better than we found them. Welcome, Nick Rowe. Good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Bill. You're supposed to have retired, and then you've turned around and write this book, huh? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, it just uh, kind of touched me. I wanted to kind of leave something with uh, those future leaders and, and how I could affect their lives, not just locally and regionally, but nationally as well. Did you long plan to do this, or just uh, once you You know, you I had a thought about it, but uh, I talked about it a lot, but I was with someone, and I said, hey, why don't you write a book on that? And, and, and really, the Goodwill Jar is really about 
how we live our lives. We're all imperfect human beings, but we all have an opportunity on this earth to try to make, do some goodwill with other people. And uh, so uh, it's really about servant leadership to your company, to your peers, to your subordinates, but also in your neighborhood, in your church, in your community, with your friends and neighbors. How do you put something in their goodwill jar, in your marriage, in your partnership, whatever the case may be. Uh, so that's really kind of genesis of the book. Relationships, in other words. Yes, it's all about relationships. And it started with the concept of uh, me and my wife and our daughters, when, when they were growing up, we, we had a jar, a ball jar on, on the top of the counter. And every time something would happen good, hey, you made good grades. Great job, Dominique. Ebony, good goal today in soccer. Hey, Dad, great job. Mom, great job in, in whatever you did. So we took that concept, me and my wife, and just thought about I kind of used that in my whole career, just trying to be good with people. And, that, and, and I came through a generation in corporate America, Bill, where it was... Uh, everybody's out for themselves and I never bought into that I always said look I want to be do right by people I'm gonna do right by my community no matter where we live we're gonna try to treat people right be a good neighbor be a good friend and it, it has served me well so I want I want the future leaders to know that you can do it the right way and still be successful and you know I, I rose to a high level in the C-suite and uh, and that's all great and good but I feel better about the fact that I did it the right way. And you go into how uh, organizational charts uh, are important, but yeah. they really just don't yeah. tell the story of how human beings relate to each other. No, they really don't. And I think sometimes we as leaders forget about that. You know, we we have to earn the right to lead. A person has to give you permission uh, to lead them. And a person walks into a room, you know whether or not he or her is the leader. You don't get the right to say, hey, I'm the president, so I'm the leader. Well, you may not be. You might think you are. But John Doe or Jane Doe down the line may be the real person they look for, to for direction. So the whole point of the book is you've got to earn that right uh, to lead an organization. You learn from your experiences along the way and from the experiences of others, including mm -hmm. your father, wounded while serving our country in Korea, but who as an African-American wasn't fed on the flight home. Yeah. We talk about that. Uh, but he chose not to be resentful and to raise you to be appreciative. Yeah, you know, uh, Bill, I mean, you grew up, think about it. Our parents and grandparents taught us foundational values. And one thing I talk about in the book, we never lose that. No matter how high you go in an organization, wherever you go in life, your foundational value, my, my dad and mom taught us in Bowling Green, Kentucky, you're going to treat people right. And he didn't take the, the, the time after leaving and wounded in Korea to, to, to have animosity toward anyone. He taught us to meet people where they are, treat people right, be a good neighbor, be a good friend, be good in our neighborhood. And that was a time in elementary school of integration segregation. So I lived through that, going to a, a segregated school and then integration. So, but through that process, he never made us feeling smaller. He just like, hey, man, this is how you guys are going to do it. And you have high integrity. Those are the things me and you grew up with, Bill. Somehow in America today, we've forgotten about those foundational values. So that's another thing I wrote the book. You know, what happened to us? You know, we might agree to disagree, but we've somehow we've lost our way. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to encourage our new leaders, hey, don't lose your values. You were a valedictorian at Bowling Green High School, and your fellow students came to respect you and depend on you as a, a member sure. of the teams. And you talk about disarming people with, uh, with love and realizing that we all just have a, an awful lot in common. Sure. We're a lot more alike than, than we realize. We really are. And I talk, you're right, I'll talk about a book that our DNA is so close to each other. We spend a lot of time in America today talking about how different we are. I'm different from you. You have a different sexual preference to me. You have this. You're female. I'm male. I'm black. You're white. Well, who really cares? Our DNA is so close to each other. And I learned to disarm people by trying to find a common ground somewhere. You know, I traveled the coal fields of eastern Kentucky as a young engineer with CSX. Now, you better not go in the coal fields of eastern Kentucky with a chip on your shoulder because those guys and ladies will knock it off. And I learned to go in there and keep my mouth shut, talk less, listen more, meet them where they were. I never had a problem as a young African-American engineer. So my point in the book is you can always find common ground with somebody somewhere. Faith is a very important part of your yes. life and your yes. journey. And in your book, uh, you, you talk about really that was first among your priorities. Yeah, you know, in corporate America, we're taught, we, we're taught to not mention our faith. Well, I always did. Sorry. I survived it after 40 years in corporate America. Uh, but I always felt that I, I worked for the master CEO, you know. And, and to me, that was who I was. Not that I was perfect. I'm imperfect. I make mistakes. I don't do everything right. But uh, faith has always been my guiding principle in my marriage of 41 years, in my, the way I treat people. And, and this is what, where it all comes full circle, Bill. And I talk about in the book coming from childhood to retirement. When you retire, nobody comes out, nobody came up to me and said, hey, did you build a new house out there? Hey, I saw you driving a fancy car. Nobody cares. Nobody remember my title. But people say, I remember 20 years ago when my wife was sick and you gave me, gave me a hug and this is what you said to me. That's all people remember. So we're all building, me and you, all of us are building our legacy every day. So let's take a chance to do something good for people. How important is it to, to mentor people along the way? <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my... If you're in a position to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so key. People gave me a chance, and I'm most proud of, when I left American Water, I think about how many of those executives today are gone on to other companies, are still working there, and I mentored them and brought them along the journey and gave them an opportunity. So, again, the Goodwill Jars about giving back. This world is made of so many takers. I say we need more givers. How much have we given to our communities? How much have we given to other people? And I always, this was my measuring stick. I would walk around to people that work with me every day. How many people are saying your name? If I ask you, who's influenced your career here? If they don't ever say your name, you haven't done a very good job as a leader. Somebody has to say your name, especially after you leave. So that was important to me, my whole journey. you also talk about the importance of feedback and, uh-huh. and accepting criticism even when it is difficult to, to accept it. Yeah, and that's really hard. You know, all of us have done a 360 review, which is a, a review from the top, from the side, and from the bottom of people who work for you get constructive feedback. And it's hard, you know. And I always say, just go home to your spouse because whenever you, I remember my first 360 and whatever the feedback I got, and I was I can't believe they said that. I go home and ask my wife, and she says, eh, they're kind of right. And it really helps you grow and develop. And 
people like feedback, but they want all the positive feedback, not any constructive feedback. Hey, Nick, you need to work on this and need to work on that. So I ask the leaders, hey, accept constructive feedback, no matter where you are in the organization. You also uh, let others speak in their own voices uh, it, it, in parts of the book, uh, including your daughters. Yes. Who I know you're, you're greatly proud of. Sure, sure. Yeah, both of my daughters and my wife uh, were interviewed. I didn't know what they were going to say, my daughters particularly, but they tell stories that I think are very interesting. And I ask other professionals I've worked with over careers to, to give their opinion on leadership. What does it look like? What does it feel like? To give another perspective coming from very different angles. And I thought it gave a little bit more credibility. Nick, what do you hope people will take from your book if they read it? Well, I hope that, that they will uh, remember that we're not that important. That be humble, uh, serve your community, be a good person. You know, we were raised to be good people and treat people right and do goodwill by people. You can't ever overfill the goodwill jar of people. And that uh, it makes better leaders out of people, not just local and regionally, but nationally. And I've gotten a lot of attention nationally from my book. And again, it's not about me. It's how many lives can I influence to say, it's okay to be a good person. And we need that today in America more than ever. You're doing some uh, coaching now in, yes. in retirement? Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, I'm really doing some executive coaching with my LLC and it's been fun. I've got some guys and ladies that I'm helping to operate in the C-suite in that environment. It gives another chance to help them and grow and develop and things that are not in leadership books. So, hey, just don't do that. Yeah. But Bill, guess what it all comes back to? Very simple, integrity, character, treat people right. You know, make people want to come to work, you know, and uh, make people want to work with you. If people want to your book, where do they get it? Yeah, they get it on Amazon.com. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's in uh, Walmart, Target, uh, it's um, Barnes Noble. So uh, I'm really proud of the book and really hope it influences some other people's lives. Uh, you, uh, you well should be. Thank yeah. you very much. Bill, Appreciate thank you for, you. Thank you for having you. me, yes, sir. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, we'll hope you'll stay with us. We'll be back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers in just a moment. Before we go, a reminder that if you want to see any of our Kentucky Newsmakers interviews again or you'd like to share them, you can see those on WKYT.com. Look for the Kentucky Newsmakers tab. We'll be covering the legislative session in this week ahead. And, of course, it's also the beginning of severe weather season here in Kentucky. And uh, there will be some events that will be noting that, and we'll have that coverage for you as well. That's Kentucky Newsmakers for this week. Thank you so much for joining us, and you make it a good week ahead.